this is not in tune. Usually I begin our podcast by saying this is in tune, the in-series podcast, but today I'm making a special edition of what's going to be a series of listening guides for the Metropolitan Opera's streaming broadcast that they're releasing each evening at 8 p.m. Metropolitan Opera in a reaction to the current coronavirus has has done something quite special and each evening at 8 p.m. they release one of their pre-recorded uh, broadcasts uh, for streaming service and it's available for 24 hours until the next 8 p.m. when they will release the next one. Uh, it's one of many different ways that I've been uh, spending time and, and deepening my experience and engagement with opera while quarantined at home. Self-isolating, I should say, not quarantined, not yet, anyway. Uh, tonight, today is, uh, let's see, today is Monday the 23rd. Tonight's uh, broadcast will be of Tristan and Isolde, and this starts off a whole week of Wagner. So tonight is Tristan and Isolde, and tomorrow night, Tuesday, we begin the Ring Cycle. And that means Tuesday will be Das Rheingold, uh, Wednesday will be Valkyrie, Thursday will be Siegfried, and Friday will be Goethe Demeron. And then we continue with Wagner into the weekend. On Saturday night will be uh, Meistersinger, uh, not one that I'm uh, very familiar with, but I hope to be by the end of the week. And uh, Sunday, we'll finish the week of Wagner with Tannhauser, which is one of my absolute favorites. But first is tonight, which is my very favorite Wagner opera, one of my very favorite operas of all time, Tristan und Isolde. Uh, if you know this work at all, you know that it, uh, more than any other composition ever, changed the history of music forever. Uh, and most people know it by reputation, maybe by a single piece, maybe even by a single chord, uh, but maybe don't completely understand uh, why it's so important and why it is, is such a meaningful piece to music history, to theater history, um, and, and, and even political history, I would say, in the way Wagner dominated late 19th century political and philosophical theory, uh, more so certainly than any other composer has. Um, I don't want these broadcasts, which are going to be short, so so don't prepare yourself for a long one. I don't want these broadcasts to be uh, a sort of here's the plot summary, but but I do feel you need to know a little bit about uh, about the plot of Tristan and Isolde to understand it. It is an opera in three acts. It is based on an Irish um, legend. Um, Tristan has been fighting in uh, in Ireland. Uh, for the sake of King Mark, and he has been cared for by a witch, uh, uh, a sorceress, a magical figure, uh, who is Isolde, um, after having killed her husband. Uh, but instead of killing him, she nurses him back to life. Uh, and uh, he, uh, well, in the original myth, he falls in love with her, um, but uh, decides to bring her back to King Mark to be the wife of King Mark. He betrays her and takes her prisoner and takes her back to King Mark. That's where our opera begins. And the first act of Wagner's Tristan and Zalda is set on the boat. Uh, they are on their way to, to King Mark. Um, she is understandably very upset. Uh, she demands of, of, uh, Tristan, 
that he must do something for her because he has betrayed her. Um, she has a, a, a helper, a servant woman, Bringena, who is uh, her, her, her best friend and, and waits upon her. And she has Bringena prepare a poison. And she makes Tristan promise for what he's done to her that they will both drink poison and die before reaching the shores of King Mark's kingdom. Uh, Brangaena cannot bear to see this happen and she switches uh, the poison for a love potion. And when uh, they drink this potion, they become in love with each other on a level that passes human understanding. And this is a device that Wagner uses. Wagner, of course, writes his own librettos that Wagner uses to uh, to tell us that, that the love they have is not, is beyond the love that you and I would have, and it explains the power and the propulsive force of the desire that, uh, from which the rest of the, the drama uh, emanates for the opera. So that uh, act ends with them arriving, King Mark coming on to take his bride, and they've just fallen deeper in love than would otherwise be humanly uh, imaginable. The second act takes place uh, deep in the woods. Isolde has snuck out of the castle, as she does every night, and meets Tristan in the wilderness, and they spend this night together, and Bringena is guarding uh, with, a, with a lantern, watching for, um, watching for someone to come from the castle and to catch Tristan and Isolde. It is basically a singular love duet, very long love duet, very intense love duet, uh, at the end of which they are caught by, uh, by King Mark um, and by, by, by his soldiers, um, and uh, Tristan fights uh, and uh, escapes, um, and uh, that's the end of, end of the second act. And the third act happens on an island. Tristan has escaped to this island, his childhood home. Um, he is dying, he's been mortally wounded, um, his servant Carnival is there, um, and uh, he spends the, the, the first part of the, of the act um, reminiscing, uh, sort of in the throes of death. Uh, just at the last moment, Isolde arrives um, to find him, and just at the last moment again, King Mark arrives uh, to, to offer forgiveness for the man he loves uh, so much and who has been his, his right hand and to say it's all right that he loves Isolde, but it is too late. Tristan has died. And just as Mark and Regina arrive uh, with the good news, Isolde herself dies of a broken heart. And as she's dying, at the end of the opera, she sings the most famous piece from the opera, The Reason the Opera Matters, which I'll explain, which uh, we have come to know today as the Liebestol, which means the love death. Um, it is a 8, 10, depending on your tempos, 12 maybe even, um, minute aria of her sinking into the arms of death. Um, it is very much, I have to say, and, and when I teach uh, Dido's lament from the end of Dido Aeneas, very much the same. There's no reason for her to die. She's not wounded. It is dying um, 
because death is the thing that must happen, whether it's of a broken heart or the consummation of one's own life. It is the passing into the next thing. And Wagner was very interested in, in Buddhist theology. Uh, he even thought to write an opera on the Buddha. He also thought to write an opera on the Christ. Instead, he gave us the ring cycle. Uh, I'm not sure whether we should be thankful or not for that. Um, but uh, he would have been very interested in this idea of passing gently, naturally, organically into the next phase of being. Um, the piece is a very simple story uh, about a very complex feeling. It is about the consummation of totally, uh, totally insatiable desire, the satiation of insatiable desire and what that means. Um, and it is about darkness, night, eternal night as the thing to which one um, aspires. One rejects the light, one rejects action, one rejects everything except the consummation of human desire. Um, Wagner does this amazingly musically by, uh, by uh, expanding musical theory from the time, uh, theoretical concepts of harmony and what it means to to sustain a dissonance, to not resolve, he ex he extends the rules of harmony to the very verge and beyond them. Um, and there was no coming back from Tristan. Uh, what I mean really is that he he doesn't resolve a chord. There's not a resolve resolution from the tonic from the dominant to the tonic throughout the entire opera. And this is a long opera. This is three and a half to four hours. Um, during which there is not a single resolution of the musical tension of the dissonances in the opera until the very end of the Liebestod, the moment that Isolde finally expires. Then finally do we reach a musical resolution. This is unheard of. No one had had extended uh, dissonances for, for more than... Uh, maybe maybe five minutes maybe maybe even less to expand it for four for for four hours is is unheard of and the idea was that that resolution then would be felt so um physically so physiologically in the body um that it would it would exert a totally different type of musical theatric experience um and that it was so aligned with the narrative content, with the thematic content of, of the uh, consummation of a desire that would that uh, had become so consuming that one dies when it is consummated, um, that that there would be something magical that happens by the unity of those two concepts. Thinking about it today, thinking about what I would say about Tristan, um, I uh, it was called to mind a section from. Uh, Here Be Sirens, which um, inadvertently and unbeknownst to us became the last work that we presented this season. It was the final performance on our Women Composers Festival, a brilliant piece by Kate Soper, during which there is a, a, a monologue by one of the sirens talking about how the sirens offer, the, offer death the end of desire, the death is the ending of desire, and they offer the ending of desire, not through rejection, not through physiological death, but through 
the consummation of that desire. And it occurs to me that this is precisely um, what what Wagner is is giving us in Tristan, what Tristan is about. Um, and it's also very much about what the 19th century um, is about, what Freud is about, what Jung is about, um, what Nietzsche is about. Now, how does he do this? Well, in the very beginning of, of the opera, uh, the first full chord of the opera is something that has come to be called the Tristan chord. And as you watch it tonight or tomorrow or any time before 8 p.m. on Tuesday, you will hear that very first chord, which is, um, now I'm going to get a bit technical, so I apologize, which is a tritone on the bottom. And above that tritone, separated by a major third, is a perfect fourth. It is a chord of absolute instability. Now I'm going to play it play it for you in a moment. I don't have a piano at home. I have a harpsichord. So it's probably the first time the Tristan chord has ever been played on the harpsichord, but there you have it. Um, you will hear how it is inherently unstable. It doesn't know how to resolve. It doesn't know whether to go up, whether to go down. Um, and Wagner uses this chord, which is inherently atonal. It rejects a tonality. It doesn't know to which tonality it belongs. Um, he uses that as a tool throughout the entire opera to never resolve until finally at the moment of her ex expiration uh, Isolde gives us the resolution into uh, glorious I, I believe it's E flat major um, and that resolution is so well well earned um, the piece exists in many famous productions uh, I haven't seen the one that that we will all experience tonight this is uh, the Met's most recent version of it. It stars Nina Stemma, the um, amazing uh, soprano, and Stuart Skelton, um, who is the, well, currently the greatest, the greatest living Tristan, um, taking that crown from from Ben Hepner, recently. Um, but the the it, Tristan is one of the first operas I ever saw in video. It was, I believe, a Met production with uh, Birgit Nielsen. I'll never forget. She wears a, a giant um, tent that disguises her on the on the boat uh, but then later I think the first really moving and powerful um, uh, European production I saw was one of Tristan by the uh, German director he's now I think he's passed away Peter Kovicny he was the intendant for a long time of the uh, Leipzig opera and this was a production uh, with Kurt Moll uh, and starring Valtrude Meyer, and I'll never forget the first time seeing and hearing Valtrude Meyer with this amazing red hair and uh, sort of singing actress that one dreams to, to have, kind of like um, Hildegard Behrens or someone like that. Um, and Kavichny stages uh, the piece um, from their perspective, so at the end it is not, um, it is not King Mark and Bringena who are left alive over the dead bodies, but rather Tristan and Isolde close the curtain on the others and they are left alone. And we see them going to the other, the other side. And at the end, when they are done, they simply walk away the curtain parts and we see Brindane and Mark staring down at two grave sides. Um, it was ravishing. Um, and um, I, I have to say, sort of changed 
my life changed me as an artist. She later did, Waltrude Meyer did another production, the Patrice Chereau production from La Scala with Berenboim conducting, that's very famous. And then more recently, Peter Sellers uh, did a famous collaboration, they didn't even call it a production, they called it uh, the Tristan Project, uh, with the video artist Bill Viola, who made a four-hour epic film, um, not telling the story of Tristan, but um, uh, sort of his artistic reaction to the themes of Tristan, um, both the poetic themes, but also the larger themes. Um, and I saw this twice. I saw it once in Paris, um, and Peter did a very simple staging uh, on the on, on the the the, the, palcoscenica, the on the stage um, with uh, with very little motion. Everything was very still, and above it is this giant film. And in that that first version, I saw uh, my seat was very much to the stage left side, um, and I. Even though Walter Meyer was singing, it was her last performance uh, of that role, um, which was stunning to see. I couldn't decide where I was supposed to look, whether it was at the stage or whether it was at the film. Um, and uh, years later, maybe two or three years later, they remounted this production at the uh, Canadian Opera Company. Um, I saw it um, in the center of the first balcony boxes. This had, was Peter's seat, so when he asked for a ticket to give to me, they gave him the best seat in the house. Um, so I saw it sort of where it was meant to be seen from, which was dead on center. Um, ben Hepner was not singing that night, his colleague was, and here's a sign of what a classy artist he is. He came to support his colleague, so I sat next to Ben Hepner. Um, and in that, uh, from that place, you could watch both the film and the staging at the same time, and it was, uh, a life-changing again experience, especially at the final moment when Bringena and Mark, and up to this point there's been no connection between the film and the staging, but in the final moments Bringena and Mark leaving the bodies of their best friends are exiting and they turn and they look up at the film just for a brief moment and then they look away and continue walking and in that moment I was absolutely shattered. Um, one of the funny anecdotal stories, however, uh, Behind me that evening was a, a, a very affluent um, younger couple uh, that must have paid a lot of money for their seats because they were sort of the best seats at the Four Seasons Center in Toronto. And um, as I said before, the whole point of Tristan is these final arias, this this Liebestod and that moment of resolution. And it's the reason you come to the opera to see Tristan. So these people had been there for about three hours and 45 minutes. Um, and the music for the beginning of the Liebestod starts and uh, this woman leans over, uh, taps her husband on the shoulder and says quite loudly, uh, honey, if we don't leave now, the liquor store is gonna close. And uh, I thought well, that that sort of tells you about this, the state of the art, my friends, in the words of Stephen Soundheim. Now I'm taking my computer outside of the closet where I've been recording this and over to the harpsichord to play this Tristan chord for you. We have the bottom note and then a tritone above it. So you hear how that is inherently unstable anyway. Tritones usually expand outward to resolve, but above that tritone, he puts this perfect fourth, which is a very stable interval. But when you play it together, 
it doesn't it doesn't know where it wants to go. The resolution of the tritone outward wouldn't work, but any other resolution doesn't work. Now this is what it really does. course that's not a satisfying resolution and that will continue over and over and over again for three and a half hours until finally in the last moment you get what is the most satisfying um, musical dramatic consummation in all of the repertoire. Now Tristan became uh, the most influential opera I said earlier and the reason behind that is because to make this work Wagner pushed um, musical theory harmony to to the very verge of its uh, applicability and and it broke and from from uh, Tristan we get the beginning of uh, atonal writing so with um, Schoenberg he writes in early in his career a piece called Transfigured Night which is very much based on Tristan and the Tristan chord um, and is still quite tonal, but starting to go out there. And then, of course, after that, he writes uh, his theory of, of atonal and serial musical composition. And um, between that and the, the political um, machinations of the early 20th century that caused a sort of post-war modernism in, in Europe, we lost all senses of harmony for for about 75 years um, and that can that can be tied directly to Tristan which like all of Wagner's works um, is beautiful is intoxicating is absolutely unique and at the same time um, poisonous in a way um, and I say that not not with a tone of accusation or or to be um, negative about his intentions as a composer, but his works do tend to give a, a, a social sickness, it must be said. Um, and maybe later in this week, I'll, I'll speak a bit about uh, Nietzsche and uh, what Nietzsche had to say about, about Wagner, both in The Case for Wagner and The Birth of Tragedy, which he wrote about 10 years before, where he um, flip-flops from being Wagner's most ardent supporter to Wagner's greatest critic and a critic of the nihilism and the xenophobia that Wagner was giving birth to. Um, so that's that's a little look in to Tristan and Zalda. Again, that's going to be on the Metropolitan Opera's website. You can go to uh, metopera.org uh, and find that it's going to be available starting at 8 p.m. tonight, the production with Nina Stemma and Stuart Skelton. Um, and tomorrow we will we will start looking at the Ring Cycle, an opera uh, or a series of operas that I feel far less um, ready to talk about, but but the times call, desperate times call for desperate measures. So, my friends, I will uh, speak with you tomorrow and enjoy the performance tonight. <laughs>